I did the countdown, but we're not podcasting. Aren't we? Isn't this podcasting? Oh, I think we forgot how to do it. I the thought podcasting. this. I thought this was doing it. Oh, isn't There's this what no people do? They just oh, whoops. Yeah. Sorry. You're, su- you're supposed to say stuff, and then we're like, hey. hey. Dan says something like that. Hey, ladies, fellas, I don't know, something. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's let's do something. <laughs> I'd be jealous because your voice is not as angelic. <laughs> How do I do this? Um, three, two, one. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and look who decided to show. It's my lovely co-host, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Welcome back, everyone. We're here doing it. It's been a while. In case you've forgotten who we are and how to find us... You can always search for us on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Join the conversation at BGG Guild number 2077 or go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com or find us on places like Twitter and Instagram where we will chat and be friends. We still do that? Is that something we do? I don't have friends. It's been a long month, Tiff. It's been a lonely (laughs) winter. Uh... So we have a good show lined up. We have our nonsensical yearbook for 2015. We are going to recap all the great games and go through our yearbook superlatives. And then we are going to check back in on our 2015 resolutions and maybe make some 2016 resolutions that are a little more realistic. Right, Tiff? Yep. (laughs) But before we get into any of that, we are going to chat about what we've been playing. And it's been a whole month, so we better all have some awesome games. Tiff. (laughs) Tiff has a laundry list of things that she has been playing. She's actively typing it. So (laughs) what have you been playing, Tiff? You know, it's funny because the holidays aren't a great time for gaming for me. Yeah, I have more time, but all my friends that would play games with me are busy doing their family stuff. And uh, my family still doesn't play games with me. So still working on that. But I did play some games recently uh dino race i finally got to the table at board game club actually and it's become quite the hit at board game club that's that tiny dino racing with the painted minis yes it's got really adorable cute dino minis which is why i wanted to try it and it's a super simple game you just have all these uh terrain hexes that you put out into a track you're trying to get your two dinos to the end of the track. You get different. You get uh, point tokens when you make it to the end. There is an egg that is a good thing and a bad thing that you kind of are tossing back and forth as you go down the track. And there's lava that shows up. A volcano actually will erupt because you're rolling a little event die after each turn. And once you get a volcano, you start flipping the tiles over onto the lava side. So you're trying to like escape the lava, make it to the end of the track. And if you make it to the end of the track with the egg, that's great. However, if you roll that eruption symbol and you have the egg, worse things happen to you. You have to discard your whole hand of things. I feel like I'm not doing a good job of explaining how the game works. So let me dive into that. (laughs) It's... (laughs) 
you have the different terrain tiles and you have cards that match those tiles. And basically on your turn, you're allowed to play as many of your cards as you want to move your dinos across the tiles. So if I'm on, you know, a, a mountain space and I need to move to the forest, I have to play a forest tile to get there. And I have to go on to each tile and have the cards that match. There are wild cards and there are some special action ones that let you steal cards and you can trade in cards and weird things like that. But basically it's just card for card. You're trying to move your dinos down the tile and there's some take that to it, which I think is why my kids like it so much. Matt Wolf told me that this game was not going to be very good and I could see playing it with my adult group. It would not be fun, but man, is it fun playing it with the kids. And they're digging it, you said? Yeah, yeah, a lot. I only have one copy of it and it's being requested like King of Tokyo to the the point where I'm like, maybe I should get another copy of it because they're fighting over it a little bit. <laughs> How many does it play? Only four. Uh, it comes with eight amazing little rubbery dino guys. And yeah. they like negotiating. They turned it into kind of a, a weird, well, if you don't push me onto the lava this turn, I'll pass the egg to someone else <laughs> on the next turn. So like, games. guys. I don't think that's how this one's supposed to go, but they like hey, doing that. Tiff, just yeah. let them, you know, you play the game how it's fun to you, right? <laughs> I let them do it, so yeah. it's fine. How's it's Board fine. Game it, Club going? Is it going well? Uh, it's going well. I We've we've lost a few people because Winter Running Club started up. and <laughs> Did you them... find them? <laughs> <laughs> They're out in the snow. Winter is um, coming. We've lost Board Gamer. <laughs> So there's a few of them that joined Winter Running Club, so they're not coming. A few of my older kids have decided that they have too much homework. <laughs> and uh, But so it's kind of narrowed down to where I have four solid groups of kids going at all times. They're kind of like predetermined groups, whereas before I just had a massive amount of kids showing up and I had to sort them into groups of kids that wanted to play certain things. Now they kind of have found their friends and divided up into separate little groups and, and it's actually working much, much smoother. So and now you can pit them against each other. <laughs> I'm going to laugh if, like, one day, like, all I'm picturing is, like, this dramatic door swinging open and this, like, blizzard blowing in and these, like, three kids crawl in, like, icicles <laughs> dripping from their nose, like, we found Board Game Club again. We're back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think some of my eighth graders are going to come back because some of them got board games for Christmas. <laughs> so they mentioned, like, oh, I got Takedo. Do you know how to play it? I'm like, yes, I'll teach it to you. Come back to Board Game Club. You don't play it. You live it. Yeah, I Tokaido know. is a it's a way of life. <sighs> I'm like, did you get the special edition? Because <laughs> Tiff's like, uh, do you have painted minis? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Get out of my club. <laughs> but yeah, so Dino Race is going well. And and the, the, the little separate groups are actually kind of like, can we play it this week? Sort of a thing. So that's good. Good. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. Well, I'm glad that, that that's going well. <laughs> uh, Dan, you've had all this time to play some fun games. We had a crockpot game day, and we had all kinds of holiday gaming. What have you been playing? I honestly haven't played that much. Other than that crockpot game day, I haven't played a lot. I've been really busy. Uh, work, personal life, um, winter. Winter. So, things like that. Chopping wood. Chopping wood. <laughs> lotioning my skin you know things you do in winter <laughs> you don't moisturize year-round dan no it's disappointing not, not really 
year-round moisturizer. Dan's a clammy guy. He's a... I am. I am a clammy guy at times, so... Really okay. painting a good board game picture, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let Dan play your board games. He's soggy. Yep. I'm not soggy. I'm cold. That's. I'm always cold. I'm not, like, He likes thick wet. cardboard so that he doesn't ruin. It's more absorbent. Sorry, Dan. What, what have you been playing? <laughs> That's okay. Um, screw you guys. And let's just stay on the dino track while we're at it. So we have been playing, and actually we recently reviewed it, uh, a game called Raptor from Tiff's favorite, Mr. Bruno Cathala, along with uh, the other Bruno, Bruno Fiduti. Uh, this is a two-player-only game, and it's basically like reliving that one scene where the guy in Jurassic Park is trying to hunt down the raptors. Um, spoiler, he fails. Uh, but he's trying to get to the control center, Dan. Yeah, but he's also he's hunting the he's raptors. being hunted. Well, and hunting at the same time, he's just outsmarted by clever girls. Um, yeah, so in this game, it's a uh, two-player asymmetric, and one player plays the family of raptors, which is a mama raptor and five little baby raptors. And then the other person plays the scientists who have discovered this island where these raptors are living, and they want to. Um, you know, cultivate them and study them, etc. So you've got a team of up to 10 scientists that you're looking to kind of invade this island with and capture the babies or put the mother to sleep kind of thing. And then the raptor is trying to defend their home or escape the babies off the board. So uh, asymmetric in all kinds of ways. So victory conditions as well as the player powers. Now, the way this works is a really cool twist on asynchronous card selection. Not asynchronous. Uh, Simultaneous. Simultaneous card selection. Sorry, I had async on the brain. And what each player is going to do is you have a deck of cards numbered one through nine. And each player has, each card is different. So it has a different power on it. And then again, the value one through nine. So you're going to play a card and you're going to reveal them. Now this is where the cool twist is. So the lower uh, number is going, that person is going to take the action that is shown on the card. Okay, so again, each card has a different special action uh, depending on the side you're playing. Then after that person has completed that action, the person who played the higher card is going to get action points to spend on actions that they have on their side of the board. And the way you determine how many action points is you subtract the card number you played and the low card that the other person played, and that's the difference is how many action points you get to spend. So there's this really cool kind of tension that goes on like, oh, I really would like this special card or I want these actions. Should I play high to get um, more action points? Should I kind of play it a little bit lower to reduce what they, uh, there's all kinds of just decisions that are going through your head just from this one small, simple mechanic, which is, it's a really neat, tense game, very thematic. It's a Matigo. So all of the minis are very well sculpted. Each of the little scientists, while tiny, they look like the little guys in La Isla, but each one is a different sculpt. So it's kind of cool. They've got them like running. They've got them with guns. They've got them with binoculars. So all kinds of different poses. Then the mama raptor is a giant little raptor with a little baby raptor which are a little too small in my opinion, but they're they're cute still. MSRP for this game, I think, is like 30 bucks or less. 35, uh, yeah. 35. Highly recommend it if you're into two-player games. Uh, it's a really neat twi- twist on simultaneous action selection, and uh, I really like it. It's so good. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I'll jump in and do my update on all those uh, legacy-style games or continuous games that we've been playing. We are in October of Pandemic Legacy. We hit a giant 
twist recently in the last couple months. It's crazy. This game's so good. And everyone else on their end of year lists has agreed that Pandemic Legacy is pretty awesome. So if you still haven't played it, go play it. Because once this game's over for me, I'm just going to start spoiling things, you know. Uh, and the other game that we played was Time Stories. We finally finished the Marcy case. And that was pretty awesome. We were super mad at the end of the game. And it turns out that we're just dumb. So... <laughs> yeah we completely missed something that we shouldn't have missed and it's it, tough it was eye-opening and we're all like damn it the game it been so awesome to realize it in yeah. game it's the game is smarter than we thought like you're playing the game and you're thinking yeah this is pretty awesome and then once we pieced it all together at the end oh man it was embarrassing we just sat and stared at each other for a half hour like damn you but it was pretty awesome tiff still no interest in time stories i assume no <laughs> some things don't change <laughs> i'm still interested in pandemic legacy pandemic legacy is awesome i'm sad to see it end we're trying to decide what our next campaign style game is going to be everyone's concerned that nothing is going to stack up just because opening things and changing the board even though the story itself honestly i think it's kind of generic um you know the twists were like oh no but really not that surprising but it's really the gameplay and how the individual decisions that you make shape and influence the game so much i just i don't know if there's another game out there that offers that right now other than risk legacy which i don't think we want to play so you don't i mean it's not bad but it's we were looking for like a co-op uh campaign style game so anyway tiff you got to play champions of midgard i, I need did. to know how it is i think the assessment that it's a lot like lords of Waterdeep is pretty fair it felt a lot like lords of Waterdeep. it's pretty simple worker placement which i appreciate about it the difference being that you have dice involved and your dice are different uh, viking warriors wielding different weapons and you're taking them out you could either go up there are i want to say three slots up at the top where there are different kinds of monsters there's the troll and two others and what you do is you place your worker there if you want to fight them and then you'll commit dice uh to that fight and at the end of the round uh, you resolve all that combat so you'll roll the dice that you've committed at that point and then see if you want each monster has a defense value and a attack value so you'll you'll most likely lose some warriors in the course of fighting but we didn't have too much trouble defeating them i mean if you're smart about it the there are three different kinds of dice so some of them have double attack faces the generic white ones have more blank faces so you just kind of got to be smart about it and there is one way to mitigate bad dice rolls you get these little horn tokens that you can use to re-roll as many dice as you want besides those monsters down on the other side of the board are the the journeys that you can go through so you put your token on a boat the boat has a certain capacity you have to put you have to put warriors plus food to feed them on the journey and once you, when you go down to resolve, there's a, I forget what they call it. It's probably a journey card. You flip it over and it might say all is quiet, nothing happens. It might say, you know, you have to get rid of one thing, a food or a guy. Uh, bottom line is if you can't food, feed your guys, they die anyway. 
So uh, sometimes you want to take extra food with you to make sure that if that if if you hit a storm or something, you have to sacrifice something. It's just food and not dudes that are going to help you defeat the monster that you land on when you get there. So and those are more valuable monsters. You go through that whole journey to fight a bigger guy that gives you more rewards. So those are the two main differences. Everything else is pretty much just different ways to gather resources. There are rune cards and something else, destiny cards that, that give you end game points. I ignored those completely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They just didn't seem as valuable as going and getting more guys or, you know, collecting food or wood to build boats and things like that. So um, I felt like that kind of stinks that there, there are places where you don't really have to go there, but there are spaces on Lords of Waterdeep that I can ignore too, so it doesn't make it necessarily a bad game. But yeah, I liked it. Two of the other people I was playing with liked it, and then one person completely hated it because of the dice. So That's what I've been hearing, this almost like 60-40 split between people really think they dig it and they're okay with dice mitigation and, and the luck of the roll sometimes, and then other people are like, these dice rolls are too important and they, they ruin things. If you get if you get a bad dice roll and you don't have a way to mitigate it and you've committed all these resources and you lose all of them, then you have to spend a rebuilding turn to get more guys, to get more food or whatever you have to get. So it's basically like a bad dice roll could waste a turn, possibly two if it's bad enough. Yeah. Although this is our first play, I don't know that the person who hated it is ever going to play it again. I kind of forgot about the horns yeah. in general. I would also say that the powers, you you each have an individual power. And my power was you can add plus one uh, attack point to sword rolls, I think it was. Uh, so that felt like a pretty strong power. The power of the person that hated the game was that they got to look at, it was either the destiny cards or the rune cards, I can't remember, but they got to peek at them. So they weren't going there. If they choose to take that action, they're not wasting a turn. Yeah. And those are your end game points. But if you're losing your dice rolls every time, uh, it doesn't matter what destiny cards you have. Mm -hmm. Because all of those are tied into the different monsters have different colors. So the person with the most blue cards at the end of the game, well, if you have no cards, it doesn't matter. So it just felt like a weaker power than the other ones. Yeah. Um, another person had a power where they roll doubles, they just get points. Oh. Um, like the double attack symbol, they yeah. get points for that. And I can't remember what the other power was, but that one power seemed particular. It just felt weaker than the other ones, less helpful. So I might not play with that one again. Yeah. I, uh, I have access to this through Tabletopia now because I got my Tabletopia pledge and this is one of the games on there. So I read the rules briefly, but I didn't get a good handle on them just from my, the one pass I did. Uh, but maybe maybe I'll make you teach this to me. I, I could. can send you an invite. It's so, I mean, it's really easy to play. And I felt like, you know, you do the setup and everything is on the board. I like that about it. So it tells you exactly what to do for the most part. We didn't have to look up a lot. So cool. that was good. Yeah, I want I definitely want to try it. So, but I don't think I'm going to buy it right outright. I didn't hate it. Always a stellar review. I didn't hate it. It's not bad. I like Lords of Waterdeep better. Yeah, I would much yeah. rather play that. Fair enough. Uh, Dan, wake up. Yep. What have you been playing? Not Champions of Midgard. Ugh. 
<laughs> you would hate it. Dan would hate uh, it. It sounds miserable. It sounds absolutely miserable. Um, I'm not going to lie. But I like Vikings, so that's sad. There are other Viking games that don't have dice. Yes, there's plenty of Viking games, especially from last year. Give me a game, Dan. Um, let's talk about Steamworks. Oh, this was yeah, one let's week. talk about Steamworks. Got to play at the uh, little Crock-Pot game day we did. This is from Tasty Minstrel, and apologies, I don't remember the designer's name off the top of my head. Uh, this is a game about engine building, like literally. Like you are building all these little steam engine machines and each one of these is going to be activated in some manner um, by placing workers on them and then they do these little comboing things and you score points and money and all kinds of things. So um, it at the end of the day, it's just a it's a it's an exercise in efficiency, but it's a difficult exercise, I think, especially on a first playthrough. So just to give you kind of a little bit more detail about the game. So it's played, it's got this time mechanic that like each time you draw, what is it? Each time you place a worker on your own machine, you take that action, etc. No, no harm done, but only one worker can be on a machine at a time. You can also play on other people's machines. So think key flower, for instance, where you can play in other people's villages. This is what most recently came to mind for me when associating this game. So you play on other people's machines, you can activate them, you know, hence blocking them and other people out of it. But when you do that, you get that person gets a time token, which acts as a point at the end of the game. But it also in each of the three phases of the game, there's a stack of time tokens. And when these time tokens run out, you go to the next phase. So the timing of the game is not set in stone. It's, it's, it's variable depending on how the players are playing and, you know, things like that. So that was kind of interesting. I will say that the last round of the game was entirely too quick, but we can talk about that in a second. Again, so you're building these machines. There's three different types of uh, power that you can power these engines with. And each one does something different with the tiles that are connected to it. So there's like, I don't even remember the types. There was electrical, steam, steam. and clockwork, I guess yep. was the one. And, you know, so clockwork being the the lowest, uh, steam being the middle, and then electrical being the most, quote, powerful. And so each of the different uh, tiles that you connect to these different engines will trigger some effect based on the type of engine you've connected it to. So you can make all kinds of little cool little machines and ex and all kinds of things. So you're going through, you're building these machines. But for me, I, I really enjoyed that part. I thought that was really cool. So you're making these machines. But for me, what really bogged this game down, um, and I'm AP at times, and this this one really triggered my AP because... Not only are you looking at your machines that you've built, you're looking at everyone else's machines to see what you can do. So you're you're not only analyzing the the four, five, six machines in front of you for optimization. You're looking at the four, five, six in front of Matt. You're looking at the four, five, six in front of Smee, and then in front of Steve in a four player. So in a four player game, there's like twenty to twenty five options that you're trying to kind of narrow down in your head. Which one's best? How can I do that? What should I do on the turn after that if this happens? So it really can cause, you know, AP prone players to go nuts. And this one just triggered it in me like crazy. Um, and yeah. Um, the iconography was kind of small, so I couldn't see it across the table that it contributed to it, all kinds of things. The game itself, I think I thought it was interesting. 
Uh, I'm not going to say it was my favorite game because it wasn't, but I thought it was very cool. I think a first playthrough, it's a lot to take in because you're looking at different machines and you don't know what's coming out in the next air and that air after that. I would recommend first time playing this, maybe take the extra 10 minutes and sit down and go through some of the tiles so you have a feel for what you can do. Because I know for me personally, I, I had no clue what was coming out. So I didn't really know how to optimize my machines best to do. Some things didn't click as quick for me as they, you know, they usually don't want to first play. That's just how I, my brain works. But I would highly recommend if you've sitting down to play this for the first time, just review some of the tiles with everyone. And note to everyone, one of the tiles they didn't even put in the rule book, which for me is just crazy. How do you miss an entire tile in the rule book <laughs> that they had to errata and release a new rule book? So overall, I thought it was interesting. Um, am I itching to play it again? Not necessarily. I would play it again, but I really, I thought it had a lot of similarities to like I mentioned Keyflower in that you're building your own village and you're taking tiles from the middle and building etc I'd much rather play Keyflower I think is what I came down to it but I would play it again yeah I don't think it was a super stupendous game I think that there were a lot of issues like you said with being a table hog having a lot to track um that's definitely there. You have to be aware and present for the entire game because there are a lot of machines on the board. Now there's a lot of tile repetition, so that helps because you get very familiar very quickly with the type of tiles. Now when you switch ages, there's a whole new set of tiles, but they're generally just upgraded from the old types. So now you get to do what the old tile did plus a little bit more. So you do have to familiarize yourself with each age. There's a lot of repetition within the ages, so you get used to them fairly quickly, I think. And the fact that you're building on the same machines round around means that instead of having to track entirely new machines, you definitely have to do that in the first round because all kinds of new things are being built. But as the game progresses, you're typically adding on or building with familiar tiles. So it's really about just seeing what combinations of the tiles you already know have popped up. And there were a couple of machines, particularly on Smee's board, that everyone knew what they did because everyone wanted to use them. So it it's not too bad in terms of the tracking as long as you're very mindful and you, and you pay attention. I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it, but that's mainly because I couldn't get a good grasp on... Basically, I set myself back by playing a bad first round. You know, the first round, we got into the second and third round, I did much better, but I had already set a really poor foundation for myself and didn't really understand the difference between building new machines and adding on to machines because there's a discrepancy there that is important to know. It It's not bad, though. It's an interesting worker placement kind of idea, especially where you're playing on other people's machines. You have to sacrifice by giving them points, but you get the benefit of the machine. Uh, there's some player powers and some asymmetric abilities that you can use if you want in the advanced game definitely want to try it again the atmosphere surrounding the game was a little weird as we played though because not everybody was kind of grokking it at the same level not everybody was happy to be playing it um, it was just kind of a weird table atmosphere so i don't know that the game had a was given a fair chance by the by the full complement of players so i'd like to go ahead at it again with a clearer mind and a clearer understanding of how the game works but it was okay it was steve's christmas present for me so hopefully he liked it anyway one of the games that i got to play and then we will wrap up i got to play far space foundry a couple of times and that was a kickstarter that recently was fulfilled and this is a pretty cool little uh, space sci-fi game where you are grabbing materials and trying to build equipment to score points. It's got this really interesting A and B phase where in the A phase you have a wealth of material available to you that you need to gather and then you go into the B phase and that's the only material that you get to use is that material that you gathered. So when I first played it it was tough because I 
was trying to understand the fact that I was not going to have access to any of this material in the in the second phase. And I was wondering how that was all going to work. And basically, what that results in is a very low scoring game, much lower scoring than I thought it was going to be. So I just had to have a good idea of actually how much I was going to get to do. And I think I've run into that situation before where you look at a game and you're all excited about it. And then by the end of the game, you're like, hey, I did a lot less than I was expecting to do. Uh, that's always a, a weird thing for me because I always expect these games to be big and vast and I get to do lots of things and make all kinds of product. And this was a game where you kind of you make like five or six things at the end of the game and you score some points. But um, I think it has some good ideas with the this like tiny deck building card selection where you're bringing ships in and taking ships out. Uh, I think that that system in this Rondell way is kind of cool and I'd like to play it with more than two because that's the only player count I've gotten to play it at but it seemed like a pretty good a good kickstarter game uh I really like the aesthetic and it was a lot more fun kind of lightweight euro game when I got into it uh than I thought it was going to be so Far Space Foundry is cool by my standards I dug it that's good to hear I still haven't played it (laughs) I have it though oh you do yeah yeah I think it's good you I think you'll like it it fits in like that 45 minute slot yeah so and it's I was hoping Yeah, I think the competition between four players, three or four players, will be interesting because two players, it's basically more of a race because you can kind of get everything you need. I think four players would be really tight and probably make the economy a lot stricter, which would be fun, I think. So yeah, that is a lot about what we've been playing. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do our nonsensical yearbook for 2015. So join us for that. All right, everyone, we are back, and it is time to recap 2015 by doing our 2015 nonsensical yearbook. So if you remember last year, if you listened, or if you're just joining us, uh, this is a list of superlatives that we have come up for the games of 2015. We're going to go through them, each give our winners, and that's going to culminate with our best of the year, which is our homecoming king and queen. But we've got a lot of fun things to talk about before then. So let's go round robin. We'll start with Dan, and our first superlative is cutest couple which is our best two-player game um i may have just alluded to it in the last segment but i went with raptor this was a a close one between raptor and seven wonders duel but I, i chose raptor because it's just something completely new seven wonders duel is a great game but it still gave me the feeling of seven wonders which has already kind of been done so i went with raptor i thought this was a really cool game as i just talked for 10 minutes prior Fantastic. Tiff, best two-player game. I don't play a whole lot of two-player only games, but uh, I think bottom of the ninth has to take it for this year. Simple, easy to play. It's baseball. It's good. It's a great pick. There were a ton of two-player games, uh, including Seven Wonders Duel, like Dan said, bottom of the ninth, Ashes, Baseball Highlights, Game of Thrones, Trombon, all kinds of good stuff. I went, like Dan went, with Raptor, the Bruno Squared title that just hit at the end of this year, end of last year. Uh, It is awesome with its asymmetric powers and the simultaneous card reveal. I dig it, and I get to say clever girl all the time while I play it. (laughs) So that is awesome. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. Oh, boy. All right, Dan. Our next superlative, most likely to be brought home to mom. What is our best family and gateway game? I went with New York 1901, um, strictly for the fact that our mom loved this game. So I can't really... That's probably the highest praise it's going to get in a best family or gateway game is when your family loves it. So New York 1901 kind of 
ticket to ride style wait building little uh, skyscrapers in New York during the early 19th century. Uh, Vincent Dutrait art. So sorry, Vincent Dutrait art. Uh, so it looks really pretty on the table. It's blue orange, so simple rules, simple everything. Uh, really good game. Tiffany B. I thought about New York 1901, but I went with Cacao. Cacao. Uh, <laughs> it's the same kind of classic feeling. It's a tile-laying game. Looks similar to Carcassonne, which I consider a really good gateway game. Um, it's it's easy to teach. You can get it to the table real quick and, and play it twice, honestly, in one sitting usually. So True. I think it's it's good for that. Yeah, yeah. I had a ton of nominations for this in my head. Stockpile, Lanterns, Cacao, Mysterium, Dodals, Timeline Challenge. So many good things, but apparently Dan and I are in sync because New York 1901 is my game most likely to be brought home to mom. Uh, This was a fantastic game that we did bring home to mom, as Dan said. Everyone is like this so far. Got that ticket to ride weight. Might be the ticket to ride killer. Who knows? Definitely an awesome game. You can't kill that train. That train chugs along on Energizer batteries. That thing steamroll right through 1901. <laughs> wow. Well, this superlative is appropriate for our own Dan. Class Clown, that's our most over-the-top fun game. Just the best experience you had with a game, Dan. Um, I had to go with code names. I know that's the the kind of boring answer here. I wanted to see how long we could go without mentioning it. Well, I will caveat this with this is probably the one list you have listened to this year that doesn't include Pandemic Legacy and Blood Rage for every category. So (laughs) you're welcome, everyone. Um, (laughs) So Codenames, I mean, you you can't argue with it. The game is pure genius. Uh, It elicits so many fun reactions and just thought processes and everyone just especially when you're not on the same page that's always hilarious love that game really good one nice tiff you run a board game club i'm sure you've got some good picks for this you know it was it was hard because we have a category for dexterity and a lot of those uh over the top fun games are dexterity Dexterous. games. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I tried to think of one that wasn't a dexterity game, sort of. It's still kind of a dexterity game, and that is Looney Quest. Fantastic. Uh, what was that the adult version of? Uh, of oh, Doodle, Doodle Quest. Quest. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's video game, like 2D video game theme. Yeah, it's not adult version. It's just a little bit more. Complex, it's less right? kiddy yeah. looking like advanced i like that it's not as cartoony i mean i donated my copy of doodle quest to the board game club after i got looney quest because i was like yeah doodle quest isn't getting played anymore because this one looks so much better and is a theme that we could get into whereas doodle quest is like cartoon fish themed kind of vanilla (laughs) for for grown-ups so well my pick i did not do what you did i went ahead full steam into the dexterity realm uh flick em up has got to be over the top and you might hear flick em up later in this list uh nothing beats wooden cowboys flicking bullets like cacti across the table and this game is so well done it looks so good on the table uh we made slow motion videos of the duels that we had and steve and i went on 
Twitter and showed our videos there. It was ridiculous. Just a good time. Flick 'em Up is an awesome, over-the-top, hilarious game. And our next superlative, we tried to sandwich some of the, not bad, but some of the other ones in between the exciting lists. So this is most likely to be caught sleeping in class. This does not mean that the game was bad, but we want to know what was the most boring game this year, Dan. Not bad, just blah. Uh, I think you guys know my answer. It's between two cities. Um, Again, not a bad game. I think it is a well-designed game. And it is, I, it has its audience. But for me, I am not part of that audience. It put me to sleep. I literally did about 45 other things while we were playing it, um, including playing another game on my phone. So And make fun of Ben a lot. And made fun of Ben. Yeah. So again, not a bad game. Um, it Like I said, it has its audience. It has people who love it. And I, more power to them. I really, I can't fault them for it. It's, it works. It's a game that works. But for me, it was just, it was just kind of a snooze. Tiffany B. I want a different route. I mean, <laughs> I think this is a game that I really like and have enjoyed every single play of it, but just looking at it and sort of, I don't know, people are going to get upset when I say this, but Orleans. I just Ugh. think, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of boring. We, we're we just saying that this is a good game, but it's maybe not the most exciting, exciting. game. Right? That game is like one shade of tan. Right. <laughs> that's that's all I was going for. I love the game. I like worker pl- the kind of worker plus deck b- slash bag building of it. I don't like deck builders, so I think bag building makes it a little bit more fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to get that. Like if you just show someone the box of or- or- Orleans and they know nothing about it, it's like meh. Dan, can we all still be friends? You can be friends. It's a good game. I love. That I game. own it. I like it, but it looks boring. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm going to go with a game that doesn't necessarily look boring, but I think is boring and might be a little bit of a surprise. I don't dislike this game. I think I like the game, but I find Above and Below to be boring. Oh, God, it is. Mm. So boring. Even with the storytelling, and particularly because of the storytelling not being that exciting, I get kind of bored with the game. I just What is not exciting about... You encounter a frog who stands by a rock. Do you (laughs) flip the rock? Do you look at the rock? Do you ask the frog to look at the rock? Do you eat the frog? Or do you eat the frog? Roll some dice. Boom. (laughs) The reason why it's boring to me, so the storytelling is predictable. It's you meet an old lady. Do you help the old lady or do you let her die? And I'm like, well, of course I'm going to try to like help her. I'm not going to let her die. And they're like, okay, you got a reputation and a a pot. Congrats. It's not a storytelling book. It's a book of public service announcements, basically. (laughs) I, I like Above and Below and I like trying to do the efficiency puzzle and i like trying to gather the resources and things like that but for a game that has such appealing artwork for such it's a storytelling game i just found it to be so one note and that's okay because i like the one note but man i don't the game just doesn't excite me in a like get my blood rushing kind of yay above and below kind of way it's like cool okay we'll play above and below and i'll find some snakes and meet a glow go or two you know it's just Yeah, I think that one um, is a hard one for them to do storytelling. Like, I don't even really consider it a storytelling game. Uh, but it, in order for it to tell an actual fluid story, it, you know what I mean? The It wouldn't yeah, work yeah. with their particular mechanic that they have in there. So everything had to be kind of 
you know, it, yeah. it had to match everything else. So nothing could be particularly exciting or linear like that. So, yeah. So that I, I apologize. No, I don't apologize. Forget don't. it. No, I stand by my choice. It's a boring game. It's fine. It's a good game, but it's boring. Anyway, Dan, best entrepreneur this year. What was your best Kickstarter game? This is a tough one because um, the one that would have taken a cake hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, it should be coming this month. That's my Takedo Collector Edition that looks It's phenomenal. arrived to some people. Not yeah, the last year, I think end of December, edition. the unpainted pledges all received theirs. But I went Super Samurai and got the unpainted and painted because that game looks so pretty. Dan, Dan has two sets of minis now. <laughs> I do. I think they're giving you two sets of minis. I think that was. He's like going to display the one. Really? And play with the other. I think it's coming. I don't know. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. I thought it came with both. Yeah, I think it does. Um, which is fine. Know. I can give Tristan the unpainted minis and he can play with them, which will be awesome. Oh. I love them. But he won't touch the rest of that game because it's beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, um, so best Kickstarter. This is a tough one. Um, I'd have to give it to, I think I'm gonna have to give it to Lanterns. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Mensa um, agrees. Lanterns, uh, first off, the project was run superbly. Uh, Randy does a great job of keeping you involved through the polls that he does throughout the campaign and the updates. And then after the project, again, the updates, uh, and the delivery. I mean, he's come through every time on the, on the last, was it the last two, I guess he's been really good on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I thought it was a great game, number one. Um I thought it was again, that was up for that was up against nineteen oh one for best family game, but I, I decided to give it this category instead because I just felt that the project as a whole, the campaign as a whole was a really good experience and I, I really like what Foxtrot does. Yeah, cool. Tiff, how about you? You don't play any of your Kickstarters, so <laughs> It's gonna be uh, tough. I was gonna say this was a little. I'd like to nominate that brown box sitting under my <laughs> stairs. Hey, all <laughs> of those games are unboxed now. I, I that was one thing I did get to do over break is unbox everything, kind of sort out what I'm gonna do with said unboxed games, and and I even punched some of them. So there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> This was one I had to put a lot of thought into. I got a lot of Kickstarter stuff kind of right towards the end of the year like everybody else. Everybody just seems to fulfill at the same time. And it was pretty overwhelming, I got to say. I'm like, oh, no. I forgot I even ordered this. (laughs) Talking about you, Mega Man, the board game. Yeah. Wow. Just got that. Good job, Tiff. Good job. We were searching for that at Gen Con. That's funny. They just magically appeared. It's been a couple years or a year. I don't at know. At least a year. It's been too long. At least long. a year, yeah. Yeah, I think I was talking about, I, I kickstarted it two unpubs ago. So, yeah, it's been a little while. Anyway, um, so for this, I wanted to go for a game that felt like a Kickstarter. And for me, I realized that is, that's got to be someone I don't know. <laughs> so all of my friends out there that that did kickstarters this year uh sorry you're not in the running here it has to be someone i don't know and like a kickstarter project that felt like it needed funding so not these pro kickstarter not your eagle griffin your your cool mini or not you know people that just do these amazing kickstarters i i applaud you you're wonderful but for me kickstarter is about that sort of weird indie feel and giving someone a chance that might not have that experience. So I'm going with Samara. Hmm. It fulfilled right on time, and the game is not perfect, but it's a very interesting concept, and I've enjoyed my plays of it. So 
And, cool. and, and it didn't like crazy over fun. I actually watched the ca- campaign for that one. And that's saying a lot because I, I usually just set it and forget it with my Kickstarters. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. A reputable yeah. choice. Yeah. I went the exact opposite, Tiff. I went totally Eagle Griffin, totally one of your friends. Oh. Xenon Profiteer is an amazing game. You know I love TC. So. I love that game so much. And TC and I have never spoken to each other. I see his hair from miles away. But I just, that game, Cal loves that game. I love that game. We have such a good time with Xenon Profiteer. Other good games came out, Burgle Bros. Uh, and then we held hands, Bullfrogs. I got all kinds of Kickstarter games this year. But Xenon Profiteer is legitimately one of my favorite games of the year. So it has to, it has to be. I'm so glad that it came out, even though the box is wrong. But I forgive <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's okay. See, it counts because you don't know TC. You didn't have favoritism. I had to rule out a bunch of people. That's a category. Well, not one of us said Blood Rage. Mm. Kudos. Congratulations <laughs> to all of us. Have any of us played Blood Rage? I nope. Have. Oh. Oh, okay. I haven't. Definitely I want to. not. Anyway. Uh, next up, Most Athletic. What's our best dexterity game, everyone? You already know mine. I, I went the way of Tiff earlier. I went with Looney Quest. I consider this to be dexterous. Uh, only that it is. I can't do it very well, so that makes it. <laughs> that if Dan makes it can't do it very well, it's a dexterity game. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Looney Quest. Everything that Tiff said before. Awesome, <laughs> Tiff. I very easily could have put Flick'em up here. It's an obvious choice, and throughout my list, I felt like I'm not putting the obvious choice. Like as the resident hipster, I kind of just. Way to be a rebel. <laughs> I just don't, I, I mean, a lot of these top 10 lists end up looking the same. A lot of the year-end lists end up having the same games, the Blood Rage phenomenon. So I, I went with Dr. Eureka. It's not even released in the U.S., but I think it's oh, a fantastic my. dexterity game, and yeah. No, that's cool. I really want to try that one. Totally it imported like it. Love it. Great. We chatted about that two episodes ago, three yeah. episodes ago. Check it out. In November. Yeah, back in November. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I went with Flick'em Up because it is, in fact, the best dexterity game. It's so much fun. So well done. I, it's the obvious choice for a good reason, though. It comes in a wooden box. Yeah, it's beautifully done, and it's a lot of fun. I'm not disputing that, but I think Dr. Eureka is interesting because of its simplicity. And... Well, if it's any consolation, my runner-up for best dexterity was Blood Rage. So, <laughs> uh, Excellent. <laughs> moving forward, who's got the best personality in 2015? Dan, you love thematic games. It's your favorite thing. Oh, this is going to be a funny one. The more saturated one. in theme, the better. Yes. I, <laughs> I I'm, I'm just like waiting with bated breath here, Dan. I can't yes, wait to hear. I live and breathe theme. If my <laughs> dice rolls have no meaning to them, hey, hey, hey. I don't know what I will do with my life. You I, can't equate dice and theme. That's not fair. You're being biased. If my minis don't portray the theme, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because when I move my mini and then I roll my dice, holy crap. I can't. Anyway, I can only imagine your choice. He's just stalling for time because he has no idea. My choice is easy. It's Time Stories. That game is phenomenal. I can't get enough of it. It has a lot of theme and (laughs) it was integrated. (laughs) It's good to know that mine is worse than Dan's. I don't even know how to analyze a thematic game. I'm like, it had theme. 
<laughs> there was a theme. It integrated somehow. There was, was artwork fun. that matched Time that Stories theme. is successful because it really puts you in control of the vessel that you're portraying. Yes. The travel system is nice. It really feels like you are moving around, finding clues, and solving a puzzle. Exactly, because yeah. you it makes literally me feel have like to I'm solve in an a puzzle. Room, which we finally did for the first time. And that's the exact feeling I felt. Escape rooms are awesome, everyone. It was cool. I'm really not the kind where they handcuff you in the dark. This was bright and 80s filled, but so yeah, time stories dripping with that good old theme. What up? All right, Tiff. I can only imagine how this is gonna go. I'm all. I don't even want to tell you guys. I don't. I can't wait. Can I just not? My best thematic game is Shakespeare because I love Shakespeare. It is. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I was second on my list. God. All right, defend Spoilers. yourself. You know, I don't know. I don't play. Got some theme. Thank you. It. <laughs> I don't play minis games generally, and the things that you think of like dripping with theme, I just don't play them anymore. I've just accepted that that's not a thing. And all the ones that I do play are older games, like your Last Night on Earth. I still play that. It's thematic, but it doesn't go on this list. So if I had to pick one from 2015, it's going to be Shakespeare because it's the Euro game that I sat and played and felt like I was actually doing the thing that I was supposed to be doing. Well, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to get this costume now. Ooh, I'm going to add this little addition to my stage. I felt like I was actually putting on a play and doing the things, you know, that 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 entails. Champions of Midgard might even fit here because for a Euro game, it does feel like you're doing the things that you're doing, but I don't play thematic games, so. I'll vouch for Tiff. Shakespeare does for for the theme that it does have, it is it it's well integrated. It makes you feel like you're building a set and you're throwing some costumes on your characters and it's it's interesting. So, I don't falter for that pick. That's fine. Thanks, I, Dan. I but against the idea that thematic games have to have minis and dice every game has a theme so every game's a thematic game this category is about thematic integration and my pick blood rage is it my well pandemic legacy would would blood rage be a thematically immersive game do you feel like you're controlling armies and going to Valhalla? yeah no blood rage is good dish I, I, I think my choice is Pandemic Legacy because you felt we, like you had a disease the whole time. We legitimately feel like we're we're fighting against this evolution, and that's partly because of the board and the way that the the story evolves. As you're I playing, you it, start to itch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, like, people die in that game, diseases come out, things evolve, things change, and you have to adapt to that. And it restricts, you know, your movement, it restricts your abilities, and you really feel like, okay, my guy does this job, and how does my job respond to the changes in the game? I think that Time Stories tells a better story, but that Pandemic Legacy integrates that story across 12 to 24 plays much better you know so i think that in terms of integration where you feel like you're doing something i think the pandemic legacy yeah. was awesome now, this and was a, i stand by that this was an interesting one uh, my second choice was burgle bros actually burgle bros is great haven't played it see i think a lot of the thematic games that have come out this year i just haven't played like yeah. i i put on a lot of my list it's probably this but i haven't played it <laughs> so <laughs> my runner-up is actually xenon profiteer because Deck building is 
perfect for feeling like you're distilling air. Like just the way that you get like that deck, you bring air in, you then distill the air out and you're left with the xenon. Like it's a wonderful thing. I like it a lot. But anyway, let's move on. Most intelligent game, which I named just for Dan, because of course you have to be intelligent to play Euro games. So what is the best Euro game (laughs) of 2015? Most intelligent. That would be me. Dan is Dan is the, <laughs> the game. Dan the game. Um, Most intelligent. Mine was Isle of Sky. Uh, I don't think this game gets the love it deserves. It is an excellent game. Um, tile placement in a really unique way. Um, an amazing kind of uh, bidding system to get the tiles, and then the varied scoring. A lot of a lot of really cool mechanisms combined to make a really. Uh, interesting game that plays in under an hour um, nice artwork I mean it's nothing over the top but it's I think it's Clemens Franz so it's it's got that nice little Euro style to it but uh, Alexander Fister's uh, knocking things out of the park this Agreed. year. Agreed. Tiff how about you? Alright so this one was hard because there are I feel like I say this about every category I just don't play enough games, I think is what I've decided. But uh, Marco Polo and Broom Service were both like in the running for this, but I just haven't played them enough to say yes or no to that. Yeah, yeah. I think both are excellent, but I've only played them once. Grand Austria Hotel, I really love it. I Maybe it's just fresh in my mind because I've played it very recently and I've played it more than once, but I just, there's something about that theme, about, you know, getting the people in the cafe and collecting all the things and getting your rooms. It, I don't know. I just love it. So, yeah, Grand Austria Hotel, that's mine. Even if it, it does yesterday. make my AP crazy. Did you? Let's play it. Okay. Uh, the pick that I wanted to make, I wanted to pick Argent the Consortium because it's my kind of Euro game. It's worker placement with all kinds of crazy, you know, wizards and theme and powers and things like that. But I think that when it comes to uh, the strict definition of Euro game, which has no strict definition, so whatever, I think that Voyages of Marco Polo is pretty awesome. I liked it a lot. I wanted to pick Barony, but I haven't played Barony enough to really give it a good a good read it's very abstract i want to try it some more i really liked it isle of sky was on my list too but i think marco polo felt euro-y felt good it's unique lots of good innovation in that game so that is my pick for most intelligent best euro game moving forward we have our the dan award the dan award yeah and the uh so biggest idiot it takes to play that's the mad award uh that's anything with dice and minis and tiff is the game that you didn't play award oh so (laughs) missing in action (laughs) (laughs) thanks let's go with most economic what was your best valued game dan um this one was actually probably the easiest one on the list for me this is arboretum uh this game is like 10 bucks online 14 bucks in your store or something like that uh ridiculous amount of crunchy goodness in that small deck of cards uh game is tough i love it the spatial reasoning piece of it uh combined with just the tense decision of only being able to hold you know the certain number of cards within your hand and making the choices and then that scoring system where you have to actually earn the right to score your arboretum by holding cards within your hand to score them so really easy choice for me that game uh packs a lot of punch for a few bucks yep yep tiff so i put code names I haven't played it a lot, but you can get it on Amazon for $16.95 right now, which is crazy. I know how much Dan has played it. I know how much play it has gotten at the conventions I've attended. I have it. 
I haven't gotten the chance to play my copy of it, but I, I do think it is a great game and the value that you get out of it is pretty good because it just seems to be more or less infinitely replayable. Yeah, I tried to buck the trend. Codenames is the obvious choice, but I went with Warhammer Quest Adventure Card Game because you got it's a $40 game which it easily could have been more, and it gives you the basis of a system to expand. It gives you some like characters that, you know, quick expansions would be able to build off of. You get a lot of nice FFG components in there. You get five missions that are replayable. You get a delve quest, which is like an extra piece that you can go into, lots of different enemies, lots of different customizability. So I was really happy with what came in the box for only 40 bucks. Codenames, you know, 16 bucks for one of the timeless games of, you know, our generation probably is good. Uh, I just wanted to buck the trend a little bit and go with something a little off the wall. So I think Warhammer Quest is a great value if you're into a game like that. Yes. Welcome to the Contrarian Podcast. <laughs> yep. Well, We're just bucking trends left and right It's here. officially over because we are in the part of the list where every game is going to be codenames. Uh, <laughs> no. This, nope. this is it. I don't have codenames again, I don't think. <gasps> Giving things away. Spoiler! Biggest flirt, Dan. Biggest flirt. What is the most hyped game of the year? This is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a game Pandemic that failed Legacy. to deliver. You don't even have to finish. Just what <laughs> game got talked about? Pandemic Legacy. The mo- I can't stop hearing about that game. Everyone keeps yapping on well, about it. Well, that's because you live near me. Well, that's true. But even on like other podcasts, year it's the number podcasts, one game. It's it the, the number, number one game, game now because one game. fanatics decided we need to rate it ten and rate everything else one. That whole controversy, like just the fact that it caused that controversy, hyped the game up even more. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I'm sure it's a fun game. I just the way I play, the amount of time I have to play, I don't have the time to commit to eighteen play sessions of the same kind of game. Like I just want to play so many other things. Things. like that's just that's just me and I, I don't fault people who like it and who have played it and i wouldn't mind maybe trying it at some point but uh not right now tiffany b there are a thousand games i could have put on this one i mean i put it's probably pandemic legacy but i'm putting spyfall anyway <laughs> so <laughs> spyfall had its time in the sun man. it was like insane how people yep. were talking about this game now it died off pretty quickly but oh, yeah. It was super hyped, and we all know how I feel about it, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Spyfall quickly got sent packing. Yeah, it did. But no... Don't forget the hype of it, though. At Origins, as of Origins, Spyfall was easily the most hyped game of 2015. And then Gen Con and Codenames happened. Right. Mysterium. Uh, (laughs) Mysterium. No, that was like BGG Con the year before. Yeah, I was going to say Mysterium was hyped. You don't remember Gen Con? Before the game came out. Drooling over it like they had rabies? Yeah. Must okay. Get up early to get Mysterium. Ghost <laughs> cards. Ghost cards. <laughs> screen, screen. Want the screen? I want uh, the screen. Biggest type game I had Pandemic Legacy, Codenames, Blood Rage, Time Stories. Those are my, my picks. Gotta be Codenames for me. Pandemic Legacy being the number one, that's a good point. Uh, but Codenames. Codenames is everywhere. And Codenames permeated TMS. I don't know if you heard that episode, Tiff. But uh, they started talking about Codenames on non board gaming podcasts which means it's officially the most hyped game. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Moving forward, most likely to succeed. So this is a game with the most potential staying power. What game are we going to be playing 10 years from now that came out in 2015? Dan. I went with with one I hope to be still playing, and that's 
time stories. I really it's like this pick. game. I don't yeah, yeah. like I went into it. I bought it with not the highest of expectations, but I was really intrigued by it. And I just didn't realize how much I would like it. And I, I love that game. It's so good. Um, and if they're going to keep up with this every quarter release schedule, I hope they keep going. So yep. it's awesome the way they do it each time. It's a different artist, a different designer. It's just a different feel each and every time. And I, I really hope it keeps going. It seems to have the buzz behind it. So hopefully it will. Tiffany B. This is the one that I wanted to put my homecoming king or queen into just because it fits so perfectly here. Like those two categories are closely related for me. Yeah. So I had to, I'm kind of spoiling that this one is not my homecoming king or queen, but uh, roll for the galaxy. I just. What a good pick. <laughs> Just for, you know, how many times I've been able to play it, how easily played it is for someone like me who doesn't get to replay things, uh, that's a good sign. They've already released an expansion that is easily integrated, but not 100% necessary. It's got the space theme that everybody likes, and it's based on another game that has stood the test of time for the most part. So, yeah. It's true. I like the thinking. My most likely to succeed is code names. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you just put code names for everything here at the end? Yeah. No, okay. that right. is a, that is the last time you'll see code names. Uh, but there's no way. Code names is the new definition of party game intro game. There's no reason every family shouldn't have it because it's that applicable to everyone. You know, it's that universal. But this is my favorite category to talk about. Our next category is best dressed because art and components are here to stay. Holy crap. This year was so good for game art and game components. And I'm so excited. Dan, as a fellow lover of game art, what'd you go with? This one was tough, but um, I have to go with the masses on this blood rage. The... Really? The miniatures in that game are phenomenal. Dan put Blood Rage on his list. I did put Blood Rage on my list. (laughs) And it it, it actually hurts a little bit inside. You guys can't see it right now, but I'm grimacing like I have pancreatic pains. He looks like Grimace. He's purple. He's he's a lot bigger at the bottom. A little bit. Yeah, that's the beer. Looks like an eggplant. That's the beer. Um, But no, Blood Rage, like when you're playing the game, you want to own those minis. Like those monster minis are insane and when you see them on the board they just have presence and they're extremely detailed the card art is good um it's not the best art i've seen as far as illustration is concerned but it complements the game the theme very well but those those minis for me just put it over the top i yeah i haven't seen anything like that this year plastic awesome yeah tiff um this one is hard for me too because i just think so many things have come out so nicely and you know a lot of my kickstarter games i'm really impressed with i got trickerian and i think that is a gorgeous looking game um so there's a lot but i'm gonna go with swing and jive cat voodoo lounge it's a great Mm. pick uh it's i just got it not too long ago and i haven't gotten to play my production copy but it's just ingenious (laughs) those components and i love the art and the style of it um there there aren't other games like it so that that is definitely monkeys people Mm -hmm. yeah yeah genius so good i put cthulhu wars probably should go somewhere in here too because i just Uh, got my second wave of that oh my god (laughs) i was horrified oh i like i put out all the expansions on the shelf and then i was like i have all these boxes of just random things that look like stuff so yeah tiff looks like she's into some 
dark rituals. Yeah, it, it it's bad. <laughs> it's way worse than I thought it was going to be. It's way too much game. Feel free to send them my way. I will send it uh, to you next Christmas, probably. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how I do it. Yep. So, my best dressed. Oh, man, so many games. Blood Rage's minis are awesome. Time Stories Panoramas are awesome. Forbidden Stars minis are awesome. Ashes, Arboretum, Tides of Time, oh, Burgle Bros. Ashes. Big Book of Madness. High. Swing and Jive Cat, Sigil. So many good games. Had to go with a game that has the full package. Mysterium. The component quality is awesome. And the art is awesome. And the game feels nice. Has anybody noticed that? It, it, it's got a texture, man. The thick cut that they used on those cards and stuff. Stop licking your crow tokens, Matt. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I have to go with Mysterium because it's a full package. Everything else has really nice elements, but Mysterium across the board is a very high highly produced game the american version except for those tiny crystal balls you have matt stop sucking on your crystal ball let's play the game So they're not as nice as the ukrainian ones because they're not like that thick plasticky almost like glass feeling and they're not textured but they're still nice they work ukrainian balls will kill someone those things are (laughs) yeah those things are (laughs) chunky but they're also all molded off center they're like lopsided and things like that these are all nice and clean the inserts nice holy crap everything fits in the insert anyway best dressed mysterium for sure all right couple categories left most inspirational most unique or innovative game dan tiff does not look excited for this one <laughs> i know it's just oh. this one was weird um i just didn't know what to do shut up i didn't just say time stories and be done with it yeah i didn't want to say time stories that's what that's the thing like i tried to be contrarian i tried to be awesome and Mm -hmm. i came back to i came back to 504 i i didn't like Uh, to come back to 504 but i did it is unique this is a game i've not played but i have watched played and i have watched set up which is actually an experience in itself that flip book rule book that has the 504 different combinations i mean whether or not it works i think the jury's still out whether or not it's interesting and fun i think the jury's still out but you can't deny that what this guy did is is mad science it's pretty crazy yeah for sure it looks like a giant box of uh, prototype components like it's not pretty at all like this would be like the least attractive game of the year we're stressed yeah we're stressed went streaking mm-hmm. uh <laughs> yeah like brought its green hat that fits so well for freeman freeze get it green Hi-yo. anyways um yeah yeah i have to go with yeah. that one okay tiff yeah i had a whole list of things that i haven't played that are innovative i don't play innovative games is what i came down to but that's okay um <laughs> 504 definitely works. Good job, Dan. Um, I won't play Time Stories, so that's not an option for me. Uh, so Mysterium, I think, then. That's fair. Yeah. yeah it's kind of. Yeah. I it's it's I dig weird. It. Yeah, it was like most innovative a year and a half ago. Good job, Tiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... <laughs> I thought there were a lot of good innovations. Obviously, Pandemic Legacy. Obviously, Time Stories. Uh, XCOM. I liked And Then We Held Hands. I thought that was an interesting two-player, not-talking, kind of weird cooperative game. Uh, <gasps> Alchemists. I just Alchemists. thought of it. Alchemists. And I, liked, I thought the Paco games were uh, pretty innovative. Gum, gum packet games. I thought they were cool. Hmm. But I went with Time Stories, and we can stop talking. <laughs> I just tried to go with stuff that I've played. And yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, 
even just to experience the ingenuity in Time Stories Tiff, that would be the worst. Like, from a design standpoint, to just play it for a couple hours to marvel at the fact that they made a game that works like this. It's so cool, even if you don't like it. I'm sure it is. I but trust anyway. Oh, if we're going with games we played, I gotta go Alchemists. That app, that's fair. That integration with that deduction piece is so much fun. That game drives me insane. I it's hate literally that game. So good. Oh, I'm so bad so at it. So I don't. Good. I'm so good at it. I, I don't it. get it. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's do the best and the worst. Here we go. Biggest burnout, Dan. Your most disappointing game of 2015. Ah, uh, this was this was a toss up between two. One <laughs> infuriated me. The other was just the biggest like air out of my balloon kind of thing so i'll say both because why not um so (laughs) we've talked before firefly dice holy crap that game was not good and (laughs) i just i feel my answers here here we go yeah i'll let tiff expound on that since i do have two but that was And this isn't the air out of my balloon one. This is one like I went into it. I was like, it's Firefly. It's dice. Let's try it. It could be fun. It could be, you know, wonky, cool like the show. But it wasn't. It was just (laughs) wonky. Um, So that one. uh, But my biggest disappointment, this is one I was so excited for. And it just let me down. And that's XCOM. That game was just an exercise in boredom. Just rolling dice. That game's fine. What's That game's fine. That game's not that good. It's fine. It's um, fine. The app is interesting, the way they did that. <laughs> but I wanted the game to be more of the app phase than the resolve phase. Because the resolve phase for me was just, it was just an exercise of futility. It was just so boring. It was just repetitive and same thing over and over and over. There was nothing different about it. So, yeah, I was just so yeah. disappointed in that because I love the video game. I just don't understand the logic of wanting to play a board game based on a really good video game. And I say this speaking as someone who has Mega Man the board game sitting down at the <laughs> That's how I the am. Table. Like you guys we we talk about theme and stuff like that, but that that's it's kind of how I feel about board games in general. Like if I want an immersive experience, I go to my video console, like my video game console and I play one of those games because video games can do it so much better than a board game can do. So I think that's why when I get to Well, a, I think we proved this year that that's not true. But it's still I think it's still overarching. That's how I feel because I go to board games for a puzzle. I go to board games for something, you know, that works my brain. Uh, the thematic piece of it and rolling dice and that kind of stuff. I, I Again, rolling dice is not <laughs> exclusive to thematic games. It's not, but it's pretty prevalent. I play games for an immersive social experience with my friends and the people I care about. So whether that means that I'm being an Agricola farmer and we're being immersed or that means that I'm rolling XCOM dice, like either way... No, it's not about the style of game. That's it's about fair. You the immerse story yourself that it more tells. than most people. I don't immerse myself. In you Agricola. have a vivid imagination. Yeah, I, I play Agricola for the puzzle. I don't even think about I'm farming. But see, but you do like games that like you say, oh, I like pirate themes or I like this or that. Like you like themes, but you then you say you don't like themes. Well, that's, that's because mostly me. for the art. I like if you're going to put like. But why does it matter? Why doesn't every game just come? Because I'm like staring bikes? at it for three hours. <laughs> But that doesn't matter to you. You're focused on the puzzle, not what it looks like. It, it doesn't matter that much to you. me. That's the thing. Like, I don't, like, you could put a, a dry, soulless, brown euro in front of me, and I would pick that any day. But it's still got to make you feel like you're but doing something. But not green, something. Dan. No, not, not green. green. Not green. green. Too much green. <laughs> All right. So XCOM sucks. Tiff, how about you? <laughs> 
Wow. So Dan, Dan already mentioned Firefly Dice. That, I wouldn't even call it my, like, it's not the biggest disappointment, because kind of in the back of my head, I was like, well, it's it's an IP, and it's a dice game based on a really popular IP, so maybe it's kind of like a money grab situation, and I'm sure it was a labor of love, but it just didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, and I was willing to put up with a lot for Firefly Dice. I think we talked enough about my feelings on that back when we played it. So I'll get to the real winner, and that's probably Antarctica. Um, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to like that game big time. And even when I had heard people saying that it wasn't great, in my mind, I was like, maybe they just don't get it. Like, (laughs) I just kind of had this, like, cocky, like, I'm a real board game hipster. It might be abstract, (laughs) but I'll be fine with it. And I wasn't really all that fine about it. Yeah, I know. That's what I get for having an ego for just one second, and it just got crushed. You spent an hour and a half playing a crappy game. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. I'll give it interesting, but it it was not the game I wanted it to be. Biggest disappointment. Very disappointing. I got a lot of disappointments this year. I try to be positive a lot, uh, but games like Wonky came out, and Hogger Logger, and Parfum, and (laughs) Captain's Wager... That was a crappy Kickstarter. I can't even but get my kids to play wonky. It's not fun. Uh, the biggest disappointment has to be a game that I expected a lot from, especially from the company, Between Two Cities. Most disappointing of 2015. I just, I don't think it's that great. I really don't. I don't think it offers much of anything. And Dan was nice enough to say he thinks that it's a good game. He just doesn't like it. If you read my ruling on the review, I don't think it's that good of a game. And I don't like it. So I'm taking a firm stance. That is my most disappointing game of 2015. Fair All right, enough. let's round it out. I'm going to insert a drum roll, and we are going to talk about our homecoming king and queen game of the year, our favorite game from 2015. This one goes to Baseball Highlights 2045. Out of left field. Literally. I was not expecting that. Um, well, you should have. It was actually kind of on my blog If post. you read on the, <laughs> the site, if you I, go to nonsensicalgamers.com. I think we're pretty well aware of my reading I'm just uh, kidding. Um, track record. Yeah, so Baseball Highlights 2045, Mike Fitzgerald, uh, Eagle Griffin Games, a game about futuristic baseball. It is a cool little back and forth, two-player, well, two-player, I can play up to four. Two-player mostly, uh, Back and forth, kind of a unique take on deck building with a, a limited deck. So you're constantly uh, pulling cards out of it, putting cards into it, but you're always kind of keeping that static number uh, for your lineup. And you're just, it's got a cool little spatial element in how the little guys run around the bases and uh, score you points. Runs, sorry, I should say runs. I'm a baseball fanatic. Points. Ugh. <laughs> score you goals. Um, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I should be actually. Um, yeah. So that's that. Baseball Highlights 2045. Really good game. Go play it if you haven't, because it'll surprise you. Tiffany B, number one game of 2015. So I'm picking Isle of Sky because I played it a lot, and I thought about it for nearly every category possible, even ones that didn't fit. Uh, I just love it. It's a good dexterity game. It's 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 a good classic feeling game, but it's it's super replayable all the different ways that you know with all the variability in the tiles that come with it so um it's a good bang for your buck it's easy to teach it has nice interaction i like it cool 
Yeah, Dan raves about that one. I think it's my number okay. two. It's all right. Yeah, it's good. Tiff, what's that face for? I, I I'm mean, judging you. That's my I'm judging you face. It's not a bad game. I just I don't know. I think that it's got some clever things, but it's really quick and really light. Right. Just, everyone's really into it for being such. There are games of similar weight and quality that have been dismissed for being so. It's the La oh, Isla. No, the La Isla effect not again i love that game can i just vote for that one yeah it is kind of green now that you mention it tiff's 2015 game of the year is la isla (laughs) it's fine and mine is hyperborea i mean uh (laughs) (laughs) remember that game remember when people played hyperborea that game's amazing my favorite game of 2015 is so many choices there are a lot of good games this year i think every game in all these categories is worthy of a game of the year but none of them best pandemic legacy the game is so darn good and i'm in october i'm not even done i got three months to go and it's gonna be a sad time when i finish it you can just go play and don't know what to play anymore i mean i could go play pandemic it's not the same though you can play pandemic with all the expansions i need to play pandemic but then have kel like randomly hand me packages to open or something like that like hey open this cereal box and i'm like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i just i need the thrill of finding new things and having my choices mean something in a game it's so satisfying but yeah i might pick that one up eventually just do it to play it with dan he doesn't want to play it either i can't play anything with dan he's so far away you might be able to skype it you can skype pandemic sit down at a convention and play for 45 hours straight (laughs) yeah okay deal there you go the pandemic legacy marathon People can come I would be much more interested if it wasn't so many games of it. Well, if you're good at it, it's only 12. It's still 12 games of Pandemic. I haven't played 12 oh games of God, anything last still playing last year. something 12 times. Yeah. Maybe That's that should horrible. be a resolution that you make. Well, we'll get to that, Tiff. Mm, In fact, we'll get to that now. I'm just trying to help you out. Because we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and do our resolutions before we wrap up the show. So join us for that. <laughs> hey everybody and welcome back it is time for our board game resolutions we need to recap 2015 and chat about 2016 2015 was a fantastic year for resolutions i don't know if you guys remember uh but we (laughs) regularly almost bi-weekly kept up to date with our resolution wait no sorry no we didn't do anything with our resolutions all 2015 so now let's recap and embarrass ourselves on the things that we promised to do and never did. Tiffany B., I got three things that you wanted to do. You wanted to learn rules weekly. You wanted to write more weekly. And you wanted to help design a board game. Mm. How'd that go? Um. Well, I tried all of that for about a month, month and a half. Uh... A weekly time to learn rules is something I still kind of want to do. It's just that life kind of gets in the way of that. And and I also kind of started a new hobby this year that took up some time. So, uh, yeah, I didn't do it every week, but I did learn rules specifically for board game nights more often than I did previously. It used to be kind of like a weird... What do you want to play? No, what do you want to play? I don't know the rules for any of these games, so we can't play that. You know, so uh, I got a little bit more focused and and did learn some rules for board game night. So I'm calling that one kind of a win, sort of a win. Not weekly, but still better. Write more (laughs) is the most hilarious resolution I've ever made in my life. 
I really was feeling guilty, and I still do feel guilty about not writing things for the site, but I will continue to feel guilty because I do not like writing <laughs> anymore. Your new resolution is to deal with guilt. Yeah, like, I was sitting down regularly and trying to write, and I remember, and I still have the review I was trying to write of La Isla, <laughs> my 2015 game of the year. Um Doing, doing good work, Tiff. You're doing good work. <laughs> and I didn't finish it. It's my favorite game. And I still found it hard to write about it. I don't know what my mental block is with writing anymore, but I, I just can't do it. I, I'm too particular and I'm too worried about people judging my writing. And I, I'm just too neurotic to write things for the internet. But I did start making videos. So I write scripts every two weeks. That counts, right? Gotta go check out Tiff on the blend. Can we wedge Be a friend that? Of the blend. Can we wedge that in there? Can that count as a success? Because I do write more, just not write reviews for the site and help you guys out. Tiff, I think you, by ignoring your resolution, you actually got more involved in other things. So you need to make resolutions that push you towards. <laughs> The things that you want to do. So this write more was like, I don't want to write. I'm going to go do photography and video. Yeah, yeah. That's... So that was a good resolution because you, if you had made it photography and video, you wouldn't have done it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You would have written more. So you need to... <laughs> I tried to write more and I was like, done. Can't do You're it. You're so hipster that you do the opposite of your own resolutions. <laughs> so contrarian, even with my resolutions. And, and help design a board game. I like to think that I support Dan in all of his game designing uh, things. And I did try. We did talk a lot about designing games. And I there are copious notes that were never acted upon. I yeah. helped. Helping doesn't mean complete a board game. It just means help. I did it. That's true. I, yeah. Mission accomplished. I did all three of these things. That's what I'm saying. Tiff had an awesome 2015. <laughs> But speaking of Dan, Dan, you wanted to cut back on Kickstarter. Fact. Do a 10 by 10 challenge slash play games repeatedly. False. <laughs> Blog or write once a week. Close. Make this site run better. Always. And design a board game. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I definitely cut back on Kickstarter. So you did all right. Yeah, okay. Are you, the real question is, are you bothered by any of the ones that you didn't get to do? No. Not really. No. Then you did Because okay. at the end of the day, this is a hobby and it doesn't really factor into anything with my life well it's nice to set personal personal goals and achieve it is i achieved many personal goals outside of board gaming but these these five i did i did well so kickstarter i definitely cut back on because 2014 i spent way too much money on kickstarter and was disappointed way too much by kickstarter so i don't think i've backed a game in the last few months if i have it's just you know to support one you know a friend or something like that but um the 10 by 10 challenge no didn't do that. Hey, between Cacao, Codenames, and Spyfall, you got part of the way there. Cacao, I played about 12 times. Codenames, I've played about maybe 49, I think is what my app will say. Uh, it's a lot. So I, I played two games 10 times. Uh, blog, write once a week. I still write fairly consistently. Not once a week, probably. But I think on the whole, I've it comes out to maybe once every other week or so. I don't know. Something like that. Um, there was a point where I had a very concentrated amount of writing effort and then it just kind of tailed off, but, uh, yeah, make the site run better sites doing well. Um, views are up, users are up, everything's up with the site. So we're just nothing but success there, which has been awesome to see. And speaking of which we will have our new site debuting shortly, hopefully 
once we've got everything ironed out. Uh, it's been kind of a long time coming, but I think you guys will like it. And design a board game, uh, copious notes. That's a good, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, I do have a couple of things kind of prototyped out. It's just so hard to get uh, things tested. Like I like to like run through things. I have a very perfectionist mindset and prototyping kind of skews that in a way that sometimes makes me uncomfortable. Like I, I want it right on the first time and that's not the way that you need to design and iterate. And I know that now and I'm getting better at that. Um, so I do have a lot of notes every time I think of something it's jotted down. Um, I do have a co-op card game that I'm kind of toying with a little kind of puzzle game in the same vein as like the game, um, that sort of style of, um, card game. And yeah, we'll design something. I have a table at Umpub. So my goal is to have something to show at Umpub. Cool. So that would be my first New Year's resolution. My second one would be to stop buying so many games overall which I've been doing really well with the last couple months. I'm trying to go with like a one in one out kind of policy. I've sold a ton of games. I've kind of backfilled with some others, but then I'm continuing to trade and sell, you know, two for ones, etc. So my collection needs to be cut back. There's too much mediocre in my collection. Uh, so my kind of two-ish resolutions, be more decisive a game night, which I think I did mainly because we started, you know, we started another game group that we basically plan what we're going to play ahead of time. Uh, I've been trying to say like these are the games that I want to play I'm still trying to be conscientious to other people because there's a lot of games floating around and if people want to be decisive that's cool I don't want to make people play games that they don't want to play especially because we have different tastes but at the same time I despise sitting around the table just staring at each other blankly saying I don't know what I want to play so in those situations many a time I did just grab a game and say all right let's play this um, or pick one of the you know this or this try to try to make the process a little bit more uh, narrowed, less choices, because we have so many options. So I think I did that. Refining my podcasting, still playing with, um, obviously just through doing the podcast. I've gotten better equipment. I've gotten better at editing, gotten better at, you know, posting and trying to do some of the post-production stuff. Uh, Tiff is obviously my podcast mentor. She knows all there is about sound, so I lean on her for some help. She's staring blankly like, uh-oh, uh, <laughs> did I do that? So... I think there is still a lot to be desired in terms of podcasting, but I'm very proud of our quality and of our show, even though it is just a, a humble little non-affiliated podcast. But, uh, you know, I think that we're doing okay. So I'm happy with where the podcast is. And the goal is to create new ideas whenever we can and get, uh, you know, fresh things flowing. So I think we've been doing that. Hopefully 2016, we can carry on with that. I'm going to go reverse order for 2016 resolutions. So I'll kick it off. I got a couple here. I'll try to make them quick. I made smart goals. I tried to put my education to uh, to work to make very manageable, uh, quantifiable goals. So first up, once a month, post a trade offer for each game currently on my trade stack. I got too many games that I don't like. I want to get rid of them. So I'm going to try once a month to get rid of them, and hopefully they will go away. I'm going to play each of my never played games once before buying any new games. I got a stack behind me, about 12 games that I've never played before. No new games until I play those, and if they suck, they go to the trade stack. If I like them, then cool, I've played them. But I can't, I can't grab new games. I don't have enough space. We live in a small apartment, and there's no room to keep buying games when I have games that I have not played. I would like to air one Pong live show by June 30th. We have been debating and discussing about a live show for the podcast, and I would like to, in the next six months, get that going. At least make an attempt. And Tiff will help me with that. Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm already helping you with I yeah. we have the equipment to do it, I think. It's just about drive. 
So it's a resolution now. I have to do it. Uh, the next uh, and last one is basically participate in or host at least one cross-podcast collaboration. I want to reach out. There's a lot of cool people out there. We've made some good friends in the hobby, and I'd like to produce some content with them. We're all doing this for fun and for free, and why not You know, kind of branch out and do some cool things? Everyone's got good ideas and their own spin on things, so there's no reason why we shouldn't do some crossovers and, and connect with some other people. So my last mini resolution is to make a segment on the podcast that holds us all accountable for our resolutions. So we'll see if I do that once a month. Uh, just like top of the stack, it'll be another way that we talk about failure. Dan, you already mentioned some of yours, but go ahead and quickly recap your 2016 resolutions. Um, yeah, 2016. So You don't have to have any if you don't want to change anything. No, I do. Uh, so Last year, it was uh, New Year, New Me was the... Oh, New Year, New same. Me, is that's every day. That's not just yeah. New Year. That's every day. It should be New Day, New Me. New Day, New Dan. New Day, New Dan. That's basically what happens. Every day I wake up, I feel blessed. I thank the birds for chirping. It's dissociative. Um... <laughs> I do, I do what I do, okay? I get by with a little help from my friends. Are you um, like, are you starting a rap career? What is happening? I don't know what you just said. <laughs> just let it go. Um, first and foremost, I have just a quoted table. quoted so at, many songs in a row. I, yeah, yeah. It was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Thank you. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Always. <laughs> just. Always. Hey, number G thing. Um, yeah, so I have a table at Unpub 6 this year in April. Um, that was kind of my motivation to get my design brain going. So my goal is to have at least one game to show there. So I've got to get cracking on that. I've got a couple ideas in the works. So I just need to put pen to paper and kind of get my brain around this whole prototyping iteration, not being so perfectionistic kind of thing. And then I guess play more of my older games. That's kind of cliche, I guess. But I do have a lot of older games that I'd like to play more. Village, Terra Mystica, just to name a few because those are the two greatest games of all time. But yeah, it's not very so that, quantifiable, Dan. I'm not quantifying anything when it comes <laughs> to what I play. I'm just happy to play board games. I'm not going to put numbers on things this year. That's kind of silly for me. I'd like to play board games every month. How about that? That's a good one. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I think those would be mine. And buy less games. I'm not buying a lot of games this year. There's no point. All right. Tiffany B. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in the same spot uh, with Dan as far as buying games. And I know that I've already started that thing because I haven't really bought any games um, since BGGCon. So like zero, no games since for two months, two and a half months. That's a lot for me because I have a problem. And um, I really over break and sorting through all the stuff that I have in the pile of shame just really helped me realize I need to get rid of some games before I'm bringing in new ones. Now, I'm not going to say I'm going to play through all my unplayed games before I buy a new game. That is just crazy because it's so dependent on who I get to play with. Um, but I... My big thing that I want to do is have an auction or a sale to get rid of a lot of my cool mini stuff that's sitting down in the basement. I um, I was really into minis there for a while, and I, I, it was definitely a phase that I grew out of pretty quickly because I just can't use all the things that I'm getting out of those Kickstarters. And it's almost frustrating where it's like, well, yeah, I got all this cool stuff and it's Kickstarter exclusive, super awesome collectory stuff, but I'm not using it. So um, I have boxes of minis and and that I'm not using. So 
Uh, and I think someone else could get a lot of enjoyment out of that. Um, that's why I'm sending Dan Arcadia Quest. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's his Christmas present. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Finally. I mean, he basically told me I'd never play it. And I was like, oh, I'm totally going to play it, Dan. This <laughs> oh, is the so one. so he bullied you into giving it to him. Well, he said the second <laughs> I got it that that wasn't going to happen. Oh, and, oh, and I mean, yeah. he knows me. And, and he was right. Dan won't play it either. It's okay. <laughs> Well, better for Dan not to. You guys have a much better chance of playing it because there are there are more of you and you game more consistently than I do. And it's kind of one of those games that you need that for. So yeah, um, yeah. I would love to play it. And there's a group down at my local board game store that they play it often and it looks like so much fun. And, and out of all my cool mini games, that is the one that I'm most likely to play. So I would say if I'm giving this one to Dan, then the rest of them just have to go. And and so Zombicide, you're out of here. And uh, yeah, so I just, I have to get rid of it. And that's what I want to do, hopefully before the end of the year. And video and photography wise, I've been talking a lot about making a video series about starting a board game club. I began writing the script for it, but I didn't film anything because I realized I didn't really have a format for it like I do my blender videos so um I didn't get anything actually filmed for it so I that's that's definitely on the list for this year is to get that series out there I'm hoping to make it three videos and um I got started on it already so hopefully it won't be too hard to finish but those are those are my main things I don't have too much more I I do want to do the live podcast episode at some point but yeah um, yeah, just those well, two things. List, so yeah, it's since it's your resolution, too. it's going to happen. If it were on my list, it would be no good. Well, <laughs> I will. Uh, I, my new resolution is to sell Tiff's cool mini or not stuff. So <laughs> I, I'm going to find people to buy it for you. Oh, that would be amazing. I'm. I'm just. I. The biggest problem with it is there's so much of it. It's overwhelming for me to even get the boxes open and see what I have in order to make a list of it to sell. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Well, hey, those are good resolutions. I like them. I mean, we'll have to work on quantifying those a little bit, but I'm going to hold you accountable because I made it a resolution to hold us all accountable. So I believe in you, Matt. That's, we'll see how I do. And that will be uh, a wrap on a very long episode 37, but you know, consider that our gift to you for being gone for a whole month. Uh, hopefully you stuck with us. If you want to connect with us, you can always do so by finding us on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to the BGG Guild number 2077 and get yourself a micro badge. We've got a tiny meeple shield with your name on it, and we've even got the geek gold to buy it. Just ask in the thread. Uh, you can also find us on places like Instagram. And if you enjoy the show, we would love hearts on board game links or iTunes reviews. Those really go a long way to supporting the show, getting us noticed, and then improving the content. That's what it's for. And uh, if you ever want to chat with us directly, we love to talk. We love to talk about games and other things. You can find us on Twitter. So, Dan, if people want to reach out to you, how do they do that? At League Nonsense is where I spend most of my time on the League's account. Or my personal account is at Scandalous underscore Nad. If you want to talk about beer and sports. Beer and sports. Scoring all the goals in baseball. All the goals. Tiff, if people want to chat with you, how do they do that? Or if they want to buy your games. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> if you're interested in buying Zombicide, please message me at ineptgamer. Solid. And you can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Yes, 2016 is not the year of new Twitter handles. I'm sorry. So join us next week for some more fun and board games. We will talk to you then. And for now, we can all say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. 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 <laughs>